After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer here, another Baseball America podcast, World Baseball Classic podcast, because we have the fever, we have the World Baseball Classic fever, we've it's it that fever I, I think comes with a touch of sleep deprivation that uh that is 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 part of the fever, maybe. You know, maybe that's that's that you normally get clamminess, normally you get like un, unable to control temperature. Sleep deprivation is uh is a symptom of WBC fever. But Kyle, you are at the uh pool in Phoenix, the pool C, where we have had a lot of interesting uh going on so far. I assume, but I will ask you, do you have the fever? How, how has it been being at the World Baseball Classic so far? Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere has been been pretty, pretty awesome. And realistically, it's probably been maybe the fourth best atmosphere of the whole tournament. When you look at the crowds in Japan and Taiwan and what's been going on in Miami, uh, first and foremost, the Mexico fans have completely showed out here in Phoenix, which, again, was to be expected. But, um, again, just the energy, the passion – especially in that steamrolling of Team USA in uh, the second game of uh, the tournament for both teams. It was it was just one of those really, really incredible environments that, you know, sticks with you and you remember. And um, that's the coolest part about the WBC we talked about in our preview podcast. But the energy in the stands for the, the biggest and best games, it's every bit equivalent to a world series, you know, game six, game seven, a deciding game of a world series. It's, it's truly, truly a unique experience and something I think everyone should get a chance to experience at least once. The part of it also is, is like in the early innings of like the key games, it feels like the fans are even more locked in than like, a, a especially like we have different crowds here, right? Like we have, it, when you have the world series, you have a very U S centered crowd. The crowds in Asia are different. The crowds in Latin America are different. And you get to see that all here in a very good way. Like you get to see, like, I I mean, I feel, I feel for Taiwan slash Chinese Taipei in that they had one of their greatest world baseball classic moments ever. And then a day later, they were not just eliminated, but relegated because of the crazy five-way tie. But during that, important moment where they won the key game they had to win that crowd was incredibly loud from first pitch to last and the thing about the crowds in asia that's also amazing is just like when japan is at the plate 
it's a nonstop party. Yeah. And then Shoei Otani takes the mound and it's like, it's the masters, you know, at the 18th hole where everyone is silent. <laughs> and it's amazing to see it like this volume knob turn all the way up and then turn all the way off. It's just such a, just such a fun experience. Kyle. And it's been really cool seeing too, like how Japan is, you know, really embrace Lars Newbar. Lars Newbar is the first non-Japanese native to ever play for Samurai Japan. And they have just embraced him. He's become a fan favorite over there. That's been really cool to see. And, you know, not every single game has been a ruckus party, right? I mean, Great Britain versus Canada yesterday. Uh, there, there was not a, a whole lot going on. I'm sorry, Great Britain versus Columbia yesterday. Great Britain versus mm-hmm. Canada two days ago. You know, there, there wasn't was a whole, not lot. A whole lot going there, on. Except there was not a whole lot going on. But um, it's still, though, it's it, it's cool to see. You know, the biggest games, the biggest moments, how. Uh, the fans have really shown up, the energy, and, and you see it on the field too. And that's what I've talked about a lot is the passion these players are playing with is something so, so, so unique that you don't get a lot of in a 162-game season. Maybe you get it in the pennant race at the end of the year and, and in the postseason, but um, you're seeing it kind of in a concentrated dose, and it it's infectious, and, and it just makes it so much more fun for everyone involved. And it also really jumps out when a team – does not have that energy level to match their opponents, uh, which we'll talk about in a second here, which was very clear with Team USA, their first two games and, and how it affected them. You know, baseball is a game where you talk about it's a long season. You kind of got to just, hey, flush a bad performance, stay even keeled, keep steady. You can't really do that in the WBC. You don't have time. You have to be full go 100% from day one. Otherwise, you're going to get beat and probably blown out, which we saw happen to Team USA. The other thing that stands out to me, and this is one of the things I love about World Baseball Classic, is I know that there are some who are going to say what you just said, which is baseball is a long-term sport. You want to see over the course of a season. That's never going to be the World Baseball Classic. It can't be. That's a feature, not a bug. Because to take an example of that, if you look at this Mexico roster and you look at the U.S. roster and you said we're going to play a 140-game season, I think Team USA finishes that season 20 to 25 games up on Mexico, at least, even with the pitching staff not being all that great. <laughs> but in a one game, like to take to, to take this to a to its nth degree, we see it at the World Cup with soccer. We see, yes, I it's not 15 to nothing, but when you see one of the greats, one of the countries that is a dominant team face the team that's just happy to be there the the ball never gets out of that half of the, you know, it's just it's a domination if we could imagine what we saw now basketball's gotten worse more even but like it used to be with the dream team it was like okay you can win by a hundred if you if, if there ever was the world american football championship like they would have games like where it was forfeited in the fourth quarter because this team's so much bigger so much more dominant than this other team that they just physically like they are, they, they, they hurt them in baseball. You can have a team like the Czech Republic facing where you literally have dentists and electricians and teachers, players, teachers, players who play on the weekend because they love baseball (laughs) facing big leaguers facing Shoei Otani. The, the the electrician strikeout Shohei Otani has to be one of the 
coolest events, A, in, in his life, uh, to say the least, if not the coolest event, and B, just one of the more the more memorable things that will come out of this World Baseball Classic. And it's it's just, again, you get some really good storylines. You get a lot of fun moments like that. You get high-level baseball. You get great moments. And, and that's why I think the WBC is such a great event. And the fact that it expanded to 20 teams this year um, has made it even cooler because, again, Czech Republic going out and beating China, that's an amazing moment for that country. You have Great Britain coming out, beating Colombia yesterday, their first WBC win and their first WBC appearance. And they've been more competitive than I think anyone anticipated in terms of the quality of ball they've been playing. It's it's just a really, really cool event. And, and I think that it's just another chapter in the game continuing to grow internationally. And look, people sometimes complain about the WBC and worried about injuries, yada, yada, yada. This thing's only growing. It's only getting bigger. It's only getting more exciting. This thing's only going to take more and more of a prominent place. We're not going back to pre-2006, and it wouldn't be good for the game of baseball to do so. So, yeah, no, this has been full of some really, really cool moments. And, uh, again, there's there's more to come. We talk about the energy that teams have to play with in the sense of urgency, how, oh, you know, we're only 20 games into spring training. That excuse doesn't really fly because that's every team, and a lot of teams are playing with urgency. You know, the quarterfinals this year are, are true quarterfinals. In the past, the second round was you had three games. You know, if you lost one, it was fine. Now with the way they expanded the first round, the quarterfinals, it's do or die. It's an elimination game. You have one game. If you don't show up, if you're not dialed in, focused at your peak – you're going to lose. You're going to be out. And again, that's something that for Team USA especially, you know, they they need to be aware of because, and we'll, I want to dive into this more with you, you know, the responses, the things they were saying after the first two games were the type of things you want to hear over a 162-game season. They were not what you want to hear in a tournament like this. It was the wrong mindset, the wrong attitude. And hopefully – going out and beating Canada like they did last night will change that. That's where we want to dive into that. Before you do that, one thing I did want to point out, like when we say about it, it's spring training for everyone, there is a little bit of a yeah, but to that, which is, and we talked about this on our preview podcast, Japan <laughs> takes this way more seriously than the U.S. does. I don't have any other way to say it. It's not spring training for them. You know Why? Because they gathered the whole team together for a couple of weeks, had them work out every day as a team. And that includes you, Darvish. You know, now I think Lars Nukbar did arrive a little bit later, but you, Darvish, and Shoei Otani were there for those workouts as well. In the US, admittedly, they're playing in the US, spring training games, all that. But the US players, the Dominican players, the Puerto Rican players, were all released from their teams the week of basically getting ready for the tournament. That wasn't the case for Japan. That wasn't the case. Didn't work out for Korea, but that wasn't the case for Korea. Those teams backed up and said, you know what? We want to have several weeks of getting ready for this in advance. You know, Korea came over and played in the U.S. and then went back. So it, it to me, there is this component of it, which is, you do see, and again, you can make the argument, well, they can't get that done in the U.S. They can't get that done in North America. But it does go back to Japan. The reason There's a reason Japan has won two of these and no one else has won two. They take it more seriously. They are more focused on winning this than anyone else. I feel like 2006 to present, and that stands out. 
But Kyle, kind of leading into that, the U.S. losing to Mexico in a different scenario could have put them in really a dire situation. We talked about it. We laid it out. There was a scenario where the U.S. was going to have to beat Colombia by eight runs or more, yeah. which is a big ask for any great lineup, but that's a big ask. They have been granted a reprieve. You were, you know, lay us out the scenarios now. First off, we are recording this again. It's during the tournaments, but then we are recording this on USA Baseball's off day. But more importantly, what do you think USA Baseball learned from their first couple of games in this that it's go time. One of the things that really jumped out, they slept walk through that opening win over Great Britain. You know, a little bit of a slow start, first few innings against Vance Worley. They fall behind early on the Trace Thompson homer. You know, fine. Then they kind of kicked into gear a little bit. Um, got, you know, went ahead, two runs. Kyle Schwarber's big through on homer. And you think, okay, they're going to start rolling here. They're going to start piling on. And they didn't. It just stopped. They only beat a team of journeymen and minor leaguers and guys who have been out of the big leagues for years six to two um and there was no energy again sluggish was the word that came to mind and then against mexico i mean they were completely and utterly beat down they were outplayed in every facet of the game offensively defensively pitching wise they were not sharp they were not focused they were not dialed in and it was concerning you know the things mark DeRose was saying afterward oh you know we're only 20 at bats in you know guys are still finding their way, you know, they're, you know, getting comfortable. It's a lot of big nerves, big energy and everything he's, you know, talking about, you know, how the pitchers are restricted and that is causing them some issues. And those are all valid things to say, but every other team is operating under the same restrictions. And they're, you know, look at the way Venezuela is playing, you know, the Dominican, Puerto Rico, the energy they're playing with, the focus they're playing with. Mexico has plenty of big leaguers. They're way more focused and into it than team USA was. And, it really jumped out. You go back to that 2017 Team USA team that won a championship. What separated them from previous USA teams was not talent. It was their energy. You talk about Eric Hosmer, Adam Jones, Marcus Stroman. They had swag. They had fight. They were 100% into it. You saw it with their actions, their words, their play on the field. That made them so much better and helped elevate them. It was something previous USA teams had lacked. Again, this is a, a sprint. You don't have time. You have to be 100% ready to go on day one. And if you're not, you're in trouble. And Team USA was clearly not. It wasn't coming from their manager. It wasn't coming from their players. You know, even post-game after the game against Mexico, the energy was really not right. It was a couple guys like, eh, whatever, and a couple guys who were just kind of super low-key about it, which, again, is fine over 162-game season. It does not fly in the WBC. Coming into yesterday, it really, really re-energized Team USA. A, Great Britain beating Columbia. And be clear, they were watching it. Mike Trout talked about a postgame, how that definitely opened things up for them. They were watching it. They were very aware of the situation they were in. And look, they got a little bit of, of a favor from Canada in the sense that Canada was intentionally saving their better pitchers for when they faced Mexico and Colombia as part of a strategy saying, look, we're probably not beating Team USA anyway. Our best bet to advance is go three and one with wins over Mexico and Colombia, in addition to their one over Great Britain. Let's just punt on this game 
and save our best guys for later. And so because of that, they sent out Mitch Bratt, a 19-year-old left-hander who has never pitched above low A to face a lineup with nine big leaguer or nine all-stars and three MVP award winners. And you know, we talk about well, Team USA struggled against other pitchers before. You know, say what you want about Vance Worley. He was a big leaguer, he had a big league career. You know, Mexico, Patrick Sandoval is a really good pitcher, and Javier Assad, you know, got to the big leagues last year. They're at least big leaguers. Team USA should have done better against them than they did, but they're at least big leaguers. You know, Mitch Bratt, you know, bless his heart, 19 years old facing Mookie Betts and Mike Trout and Paul Colchett, Nolan Arenado off the bat. That's a tough assignment for anyone, and, and Team <laughs> USA, to say the least. Um, and Team USA went out and, and did what they were supposed to do, and, and Mark DeRosa talked about it, and the players talked about it. You know, Mookie Betts, who had really struggled the first two days, going out there, hard single to right, and immediately you felt the tension dissipate. Okay, you know, we're going out. We're, we're got something going. Lance Lynn coming out the first inning, saying down the side, one, two, three. That hadn't happened. Team USA gave up runs and fell behind each of their first two games. Their starting pitching looked horrible. Lance Lynn coming out and making it look easy was, was really, really, you know, energizing for them. So overall, you just saw a difference in Team USA. They started, they were playing harder. Again, they took advantage of a good situation. And Trout talked about it. His exact words post-game were, the Mexico loss woke us up a little bit. You know, they realized that they couldn't sleepwalk through this. They had to really be 100% dialed in and focused. And the energy changed on the team. You saw more emotion from Lynn. You saw it from Trout. You saw it from everyone. And now they're in a great spot. They just have to win one more game against Columbia during the quarterfinals. You know, we have to see, does this hold? Do they maintain this energy moving forward? Because they're going to have to, especially once they get to the quarters and they're facing potentially, you know, Venezuela, the Dominican. I mean, there's no let up there. So it was good to see Team USA go out and do what they did. The offense finally clicked. Lance Lynn gave them a great start. Um, But most importantly, the energy, the the emotion, the passion started to show up for the first time. And that's what they're going to need to get through this tournament. They're not just going to be able to win on talent alone because – I hate to tell you, there are other teams in this tournament every bit as talented as they are, namely Japan, the DR, and it looks like Venezuela. So um, those teams are playing a lot harder and, and with a lot more energy. Team USA is going to have to match that. And at the very least, yesterday against Canada, it was it was a sign they're moving in the right direction, getting into the right mindset. The other thing I would say with that is, is that they have to play more energy. We saw that in the last game. The other problem they're going to have once they get out of pool play, assuming they do, and I would assume that they would at this point, they will probably have the weaker pitching in the matchup against everyone they face from then on out. Is that fair? Yeah, they will have the lesser starting pitcher pretty much in any matchup. Against Japan, absolutely, they will have a lesser starting pitcher, no matter who Japan throws. Otani, Darvish, Yamamoto, or Sasaki, doesn't matter. They will have the advantage. It looks like it'll be Yamamoto, I think. I I think if it got to that point, if they they actually asked Yamamoto about it after his last start, that he would – they're they're already looking ahead. They're like, it looks like your next start will be against Team USA. And he's like, it would be a big challenge. Yeah, I think that would be the big big thing there. you know, Venezuela, Dominican, we'd have to see who they throw, what the situation is. So, yeah, I mean, they will have the weaker starting pitcher in almost any matchup from the quarterfinals forward. But, again, this offense is capable of winning games 11-8. to eight. And it's just going to come down to, again, 
do they perform more like they did against Canada or do they show up and perform like they did against Great Britain and, and certainly against Mexico? Um, it's going to be about sustaining that focus, that energy, that, that fire. And if they do, they have a shot. If they don't, they're going to get eliminated probably in the quarterfinals, maybe the semis if, if they catch a break. So um, that's the biggest thing for Team USA here. You know, we knew coming in, this was not going to be a great staff. And, and to be honest, it was very odd seeing Nick Martinez starting against Mexico. I mean, look, Lance Lynn's a better starting pitcher than he is. Miles Michaelis is a better starting pitcher than he is. Kyle Freeland's a better starting pitcher than he is. But they use Freeland and Michaelis in relief. Um, I, I think there's going to be some some shuffling of, of the pitching staff. There needs to be for them to get through this tournament. But we'll, we'll see what they do. I will say Team USA certainly is in a much better position today. Uh, than they were at this time yesterday, just by virtue of Great Britain yeah. giving them a really, really, really big favor beating Colombia and then uh, them going out and playing like they did against Canada. So we want to also, though, we're not just focusing on Pool C and Team USA. There's a lot else going on in this tournament, and we're going to cover that right after this quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. And we're back. So let's 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 cover, I guess. Let's finish the other. We, the other. There's another pool that's going on. Literally, Nicaragua is playing Venezuela as we speak. So we're going to stay a little less specific. Nicaragua is leading Venezuela at this time, which would obviously upset kind of a lot of what we're expecting. But the thing that I think that we both stands out for both of us, Kyle, for Pool D, is talking about teams who are playing with passion, that are playing, feeling like with their backs to the wall. Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic has been the underperformer, has been the team. If you look at it, Puerto Rico, if you look at like the big three of the, well, really big four, I would throw Cuba in there, of the Latin American countries, every other one of those, and I know Puerto Rico is a commonwealth, like, okay, but all (laughs) the other, sorry for all the asides, all of those other than Venezuela have a really big World Baseball Classic boom. Cuba had that, you know, in the early years of the WBC, the early, the first two tournaments, they were a dominant team. They were, they, they took it deep into the tournament. The Puerto Rico has been the runner up in this tournament. The Dominican Republic has won the WBC. Venezuela doesn't have that yet. Yeah. But this feels like a Venezuela team that is fired up that wants to change that, Kyle. Absolutely. And what's really noticeable, I talked about this on our pre WBC podcast. Omar Vizquel, their manager in 2017, did not know what he was doing, did not know his players, did not have any in-game strategy. It was it was really, really bad, and it rubbed off on the play team. They went 2-5 and five that year. I mean, they, they were not good with a lineup of all-stars. They were a bad team. And we talked about having Omar Lopez this year, a real manager who knows how to coach, who knows how to, how to do the job. Um, and just talking to him at the winter meetings, you could tell there was a different focus. There was a sense of determination for the entire Venezuelan baseball federation that, look, we know we have some of the best players on the planet and we're sick of embarrassing ourselves on an international stage, which has been what's consistently happened in the WBC, especially last time. And they're playing hard. They are focused. Again, this is one of those teams that you look at it on paper, they have the talent to win this whole thing. And that's why, you know, we talked about it and we ranked them, you know, fourth best in this entire tournament behind only Japan, U.S. and the DR coming in. We ranked them as a championship contender, wrote that explicitly in our previews. But, you know, the history was concerning and they're flushing that down the drain. They remind me a lot of the 2017 Team USA team. Hey, we've always had these great players, but it just wasn't right for whatever reason. The mix wasn't right. The mix was right for Team USA in 2017. The mix certainly looks right for Venezuela here in 2023. Um, I mean, again, you go up and down this lineup. It's it's fantastic. They have plenty of arms. And now they've got the right coaching staff. They've got the right energy. They've got the right vibes. Yeah, I mean, right now, Venezuela and Japan look like they're on a collision course for the championship. Again, a lot can happen. A lot can change. Other teams can, can win. But this is the when I say it's the best Venezuelan team we've seen in the WBC, I mean that from it's the best team in terms of how they're playing. Other Venezuela teams, the rosters have been every bit as talented, but they haven't played well. This is the best team we have seen from them in terms of how they're playing on the field, which ultimately is what matters. <laughs> that is at the end of the day. That's all that matters. matters. Yeah. 
And, and the key thing about it also with that is, is the other reason we're talking about them. They're the one that so far, as we record this, they are rallying against Nicaragua at this moment. But as we record this, they're the one that is unblemished in the pool of death. We said we knew that someone was going to be uh, sitting, going home from pool D. That is a team that could win it all because we thought that Puerto Rico, Venezuela and the Dominican Republic, if it all came together, they all three could win it all. Only two could advance. Venezuela is the one that has, that has done the work so far. Although also props to Puerto Rico uh, and what they did yesterday, which is, I'm calling that a perfect game. I know it was only eight innings, but when you have a walk-off mercy rule to finish your perfect game, I, I, I think that's a an eight-inning uh, gem of a perfect game. Someone, again, someone's going still. We do not know who it's going to be, but someone's going home. Uh, and again, a lot of that depends on still what is yet to be played in that pool. But who who else has impressed you in pool D so far, yeah, I mean, well, first and foremost, uh, what a performance by uh, Nicaragua's Duque Bear yesterday, striking out yep. Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, Rafael Devers, and getting himself signed to a contract on the spot with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, that's just an incredible, incredible story and performance by that kid. That changeup is is really something. Um, you know, I think what I'm just looking forward to is seeing, you know, the Dominican play Puerto Rico on Wednesday for all the marbles, potentially. You know, Venezuela should beat Nicaragua today they they should punch their ticket to the quarterfinals barring something absolutely insane happening but you know one of the Dominican and Puerto Rico are, are gonna go home the Dominican enter this tournament consider the favorite to win Puerto Rico's reached the finals each of the last two WBCs one of them's gonna go home despite being one of the five best teams in this tournament and I think that game on Wednesday is just gonna be absolutely ruckus um it's, it's going to be quite an event. I think what really jumped out to me for the Dominican, and we had talked about this, is, you know, for the first time, they they had some ace caliber starters. They've typically been a team with a great lineup, hard-throwing bullpen, and, and starters are just okay. But they had Sandy Alcantara this year, and, and Alcantara got beat up pretty good in that opening game. Um, you know, Christian Javier came back and, and threw well for them. So, you know, I, I think – if they can get Sandy Alcantara back to being Sandy Alcantara and, and potentially a quarterfinals matchup, that would be key. But, you know, that rough start looms large where, you know, now if they if they don't win on Wednesday against Puerto Rico, you know, having their ace getting getting beat up like that, that could be what determines what whether they make it or not. It That, that game is, to me, the one that I have most circled. That is the remaining pool play game that has the most on the line and also should probably have the best atmosphere of, of all the games because it has so much on the line. Yep. But speaking of atmospheres, we've already wrapped up pool play on the Asia half of the brackets. We have pool a, we have pool B. I would say that you could comfortably say that we had both some surprising things and some not so surprising things. Japan utterly housing Pool B, not so surprising. But Pool A, we knew Pool A was the, the most wide open of all the pools. We said that in our preview pod. We said that in our preview stuff on the on the website and in the magazine. And But I don't think we envisioned it being as wide open as it was. Five teams all figure, finished two and two. The difference between 
advancing as the number one seed and going not just home, but knowing you have to qualify if you want to play in the next World Baseball Classic was the manner of runs quotient, which uh, did way too much math this weekend. I have to say way too much math. But Kyle, with Pool A, Pool A we had at the end of the day, we had Cuba and Italy advancing. Cuba, which looked like they were on the ropes early on in pool play. But Cuba and Italy advance. Do either of these teams have a chance? Are they both happy to be here, or do they have a chance to win in the quarterfinals? Well, Cuba gets to play Australia. I mean, they're yeah. they're 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 going to be favored. I mean, Cuba is going to go from losing their opening game and and not looking good at all to probably being in the semifinals. I mean, they they kind of scored here. Um, they they got a. They, you know, got a really favorable matchup and, and to their credit, they bounced back from, from a rough start. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what jumps out is Cuba's kind of going to have the resurgence they were hoping for without maybe looking like the powerhouse teams of years past, but they're, they're going to get there. I think just the way this pool played out and you're right, we talked about it. You know, this was the pool that was most wide open. There is the most parity there. There was, you know, the smallest gap separating the top team from the bottom team, but we certainly didn't envision all five teams going two and two. And really, I think a lot of attention needs to be paid to Italy going out and beating the Netherlands to make it that way. I mean, the Dutch have been the European baseball power. They've reached the semifinals each of the last two WBCs. This is not a team that's just been, oh, okay, they're good for Europe. But then when they play, you know, real competition, no. they lose. They, they are good. They consistently hold their own in this tournament. They have a much better tournament history than Team USA does a much better tournament history than Venezuela does. They've consistently been good. And I mean, for Italy to go out and win that game, and I talked about it on our preview podcast, I thought Italy was a sleeper. I, I thought the Dutch would win the pool and Italy would finish second. I kind of had this, a feeling they would they would have a chance to do that. But I mean, for Italy to, to go out and beat them, to force that five-way tie, take themselves from potentially being one in three and in last place in that pool, to into the quarterfinals, uh, that was super, super impressive. And they beat the Netherlands down. It wasn't a close game. It wasn't like they scratched it out. They went out and they beat them. And, I mean, this was just a wild, wacky, fun pool um, all the way through. The, the games as they were happening and then the finish. You know, we talk about, again, the great atmospheres in Miami, of course, what was happening here with Mexico and, and Phoenix and obviously Japan dominating. But in terms of what was happening on the field, Pool A has been the most fun and entertaining and wild and wacky of this entire tournament. It, the wild, the wackiest. And as you said, because of what happened also in Pool B, it's going to be, let's just be clear, it's going to be really weird when we could have, this is pool play, this is a tournament, right? But we could have the U.S., playing the Dominican Republic for one spot in the semis, which is the battle of the Titans, for instance. And we could also have Australia facing Cuba, you know, with the same shot as a spot in the semis. And if you just looked at it roster talent wise, you would <laughs> say that there's a pretty, pretty massive disparity between the, the talent levels, of these rosters, but that's, hey, that's the great thing about tournament play. That's the great thing about 
how big this is for Cuba, which, I mean, a, a short, a brief aside, the history lesson of, which I know a lot of people listening to this know, but you can say that Cuba got to play pros versus amateurs for much of the history of international baseball. That's, that's in essence, true. However, all that being said, Cuba was the dominant force in international baseball for several decades. And I mean, just, and they had the players and we've seen it like these players who have gone on like to have big league careers and success and all that. But to have Cuba, if Cuba can beat Australia and make it to the semifinals to have that moment, that ray of hope of like, Hey, the, the, the biggest thing that Cuban baseball will do, have done on the international, you know, a stage in quite a while and also provide a little bit of encouragement for the fact that they did bring back some of these ma- allowed major league players to play. That's big, I think, for baseball in Cuba. But I'm going to flip it now to Kyle. Like, OK, this is going to take us into Pool B. Australia was the runner up in Pool B. How big do you think this is for baseball in Australia that Australia could make it to the semifinals. I mean, this is the biggest surprise of the tournament. Australia was probably, you know, they were going to be the third place team in this pool. Just Japan was the clear class of the pool, Korea second, Australia third, but Australia being third was more a function of, okay, they're in a pool with China and the Czech Republic. If you had put Australia in pool D, you would have said, yeah, they're probably going to finish in last place. Even pool C, they probably would have been, you know, maybe a fourth place team. Um, but they took advantage of, of a weak pool. They took care of business that they should have against China and the Czech Republic. And then them beating Korea, you know, we've talked about Venezuela being a disappointment. Korea has been a disappointment the last few World Baseball Classics. I mean, mm-hmm. Australia winning that first game eight to seven. I mean, that just completely changed their trajectory. I mean, this has been really, really impressive to see. You know, Australia is, is a team that does not have any current big leaguers aside from Aaron Whitefield, who, you know, has big league experience, but I I don't think you'd call him a big leader. He's not on an active roster right now, an active 26 man roster. Um, It's a lot of guys who pitch in the ABL. It's a lot of guys who maybe have some minor league experience or have since been released or are currently in the low minors. It's, it's not a team of studs, but they took care of business. It was really, really impressive seeing them win that game against Korea uh, they've gotten some big homers at big times. Guys like Robbie Glendening, Robbie Perkins, Tim Kennelly. It's been it's been cool to see. This has been the Cinderella story of this tournament. And look, are they going to beat Cuba in the semis? Excuse me, in the quarterfinals to reach the semis? I, I wouldn't pick it to happen. But again, it's not like Cuba's this this juggernaut. Cuba lost their first two games and, and had to rally to win their final two. Um, and the two teams they beat you know, Panama and Taiwan are not really juggernauts. You know, they lost the games that they played the best competition. They lost to Italy. They lost to the Netherlands. So um, it's going to be interesting. Australia has a shot, but I I wouldn't pick it to happen. If they reach, if Australia reaches the semifinals, that would be the, oh my goodness, that's, that's insane. But even just reaching the quarterfinals, it's a huge accomplishment for them. Well, okay. And this is where strategy comes into play. Like you mentioned about with Canada, which I think was a smart play. Don't try to beat Team USA. You're not going to beat Team <laughs> USA. Like, 
just go out there and try to win the other ones. Great Britain, like basically, hey, Great Britain getting a win in this tournament is huge for them. Yeah. Okay. Australia and Cuba. I go all in. Oh yeah. To try to make it to the Sebis. If yeah. you said Cuba, Cuba has one of whom started, but Cuba has three relievers who I think are really high quality. Yep. If you said that all three of them pitched multiple innings in this game, and it means that they can't pitch again, okay. You're going to face Japan almost assuredly. Like that's almost my lead, you know, my, my, my lock of, uh, uh, of how this goes is um, I'm sorry. They're not going to face Japan. Well, 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 what's, what's key for them. You're right. What Cuba can do if they really wanted to, what they probably should do is yeah. Throw Levon Moinello, throw Yariel Rodriguez, throw Rydell Martinez. And also Miguel Romero has been the best pitcher in the tournament from uh a volume standpoint, he leads the tournament with 10 strikeouts, six and two thirds combined innings, 10 Ks over three appearances. He's been dominant. You can stack those four guys. And, and the other thing too is you actually don't have to worry about rest because they fly to the US after they play the quarterfinal in Tokyo, but then they get four days between yeah, their game and their next game. And again, it's a long flight from, from Tokyo to Miami and you know, travel, road weary, but. You get a break. You're absolutely right. Both of these teams, you go out there, you try to win this game. You don't worry about the semifinal because, A, you're probably going to face, uh, you know, one of USA, Dominican, Venezuela, some, someone of that group. But, B, you get four days in between games. So, yeah, from a strategy perspective, if I'm Cuba, I'm only using one of four guys, and it's those four dudes. And so now that gets us to Pool B where – I feel like what we did see from Japan during their pool play was everything we expected to see. Wasn't perfect. There, it wasn't something where you say, "Oh, this is a flawless team who can't be beaten by anyone." But they did score thirty-eight runs and allow eight. Again, they were better than everyone else in that. They got solid outings from their starters. They got excellent work from their bullpen, and. From and Shoei Otani was <laughs> Shoei Otani, uh, yeah. you know, and and Kinsuke Kondo stepping up and providing a big bat as the guy who really wasn't supposed to be in that lineup. That was supposed to be Seiya Suzuki. That that also was important for him. Lars Nupar making great catches seemingly yeah. almost every game in center field and providing a ton of energy, seeming to fit in wonderfully. Yeah. Like is this still like it as you look at it right now? We talked about in our preview pod how the pitching just made us feel really good about their chances. Do you still feel that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, I picked Japan to win this thing coming in, and I see no reason to jump off of them now. Um, look, you Darvish was was not actually very sharp, but it just didn't matter. I mean, you have Shohei Otani. Roki Suzaki did everything you expected to see from him pumping. 100 101 touching 102 like it was nothing you know yamamoto was is is a, a rising star in this game um this is just a really really good team again it was a pretty weak pool uh, especially with korea underperforming so you know the fact that they absolutely bludgeoned you know china and the czech republic and and to a degree australia you don't want to read too much into that but talent wise th this is a great team and, and you mentioned kinsuke kondo and he's a contact hitter. He, you know, 311 over uh, or 307, I believe, over 11 seasons. And, and 
he's shown a little bit of pop here too. I mean, this is just a one through nine, really good lineup. I, I don't know if that gets as much attention as it should. Um, Cause the attention rightfully is on how good the pitching staff is. You know, Italy has, has shown some talent here. I mean, there are some good players here. You have Vinny Pasquantino, you have South Frelick, you have the Fletcher brothers, you have good players on this Italy team, but you know, I, I feel pretty good about Japan going in, winning that quarterfinal, getting to the semis, and that's really where they would theoretically face their first stiff test. Um, but this this is a really, really, really good team. There's no way to really say it otherwise. I mean, you can use any adjective you like. This is a really, really good team that is is at minimum a championship contender, and you can argue every bit a championship favorite. And they, they will not be tested. They should not be tested until they get to the semis. It's, I, I feel the same way. Like you've seen everything you expected to see out of them. And also the fact is, is, hey, mega credit to Italy, who's done this twice now. Italy yeah. has made it out of the first round twice yeah. in the W, you know, in WBC history, which is very impressive for a team that is a mixture of US players. But, you know, it, but again, has done a good job of, of coming together very quickly. I, I I do not, I would not want to be in their shoes though in, in this game coming up because, uh, and, and you mentioned it, the format here is these will be playing as we're wrapping up pool play in the U.S. We'll be starting quarterfinals in Asia. Understandably, I had a couple of people ask me, I think on Twitter, why is that? And it's like, you mentioned it. Because you have to come from Asia. You don't want to like land at two. And it's like, well, we got a game at seven. Yeah. What is, is it day? Is it night? You're, they're going to have a couple of days to acclimate to, you know, a pretty massive time change. But anything else, like if you're for fans watching this, you know, anything we haven't covered that you're like, hey, keep an eye for this or someone who's really impressed you. I, I have a guy I wanted to talk about, but I, I would, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, well, I've, I've actually got a, a story on uh, the 10 uh, top performing prospects here in the WBC that um, I, I definitely want to, you know, highlight a lot of these guys. I think one guy that does need to be mentioned is Frelick. He's been the catalyst for that Italy team. You know, he's a top prospect, yes. we top 100 pl- uh, prospect for us at Baseball America. And, you know, you look at why is Italy going to the quarterfinals? What helped them get there? Sal Frelick was huge for this team, you know start to finish facing guys who, you know, in a lot of cases have big league time or, or have significant international experience. Um, he's one of the young guys I'm going to highlight the piece and uh, someone to, to really, really keep an eye on. Again, a guy that just jumped out to you here in Phoenix. I mean, Guillermo Zuniga, who, you know, was one of the 12 Braves prospects uh, that they lost for their international signing scandal, uh, signed with the Dodgers within double A the last two years and uh, left a minor league for agency this year. And, and when the Cardinals gave him a big league deal, despite the fact he never pitched above double A, it certainly raised your eyebrows a little bit like, huh, okay, you know, something here, especially, you know, the Cardinals tend to know what they're doing scouting wise. Uh, the way he came out for Columbia and, and just the performance and the stuff and the moxie and everything he showed uh, to help them beat Mexico, which again, the very next night took Team USA out to the woodshed. Um, that was a really, really impressive performance by Guillermo Zuniga. I mean, three straight fastballs, 100-plus to strike out Alex Verdugo, struck out Joey Manessa, struck out Isak Paredes. I mean, struck out big leaguers and, and overwhelmed them. He pumped 100 past Joey Manessas. Um, 
yeah, just again, a guy that coming in, you know, you might not have known that much about and just wow, opened your eyes. So those are two guys on the prospect side. And then, I mean, again, how can you not point out what Yu Chang did in Taiwan, what Shohei Otani, of course, did in Japan? All these guys are, you know, performing, you know, like like the big leaguers they are in, in Chang's case and like the superstars there on Otani's case. I, I was the, the guy I wanted to highlight was Zuniga, who, who yeah. brought up. Uh, he was so impressive. By the way, kudos to Jeff Ponce on our staff. He did our Cardinals list. Good to see, like you, you mentioned it, he did get a big league deal 40-man roster spot as a minor league free agent. That doesn't happen much, but it was good to see that he is on our top 30. You know, <laughs> if you're if you're wondering, we've got a full scouting report up on the site and in the prospect handbook because he was a top 30 prospect for us, which also is not something that you see very often that minor league free agent signings crack a top 30. <laughs> so gl- glad that we got that one on there because you watch him in his, you know, 100 plus, 101, 102. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is in that scenario, in that situation, that's a big league. That's a big league environment. There is nothing about that. He's facing big leaguers in a pressure packed environment. If you're the Cardinals, you're watching that and you're going, if this guy's healthy, it's almost impossible to imagine he will not be helping their big league bullpen in 2023. That's what I love about you know the World Baseball Classic. Also love the fact that we've had uh, you know a, a pitcher literally signed during the World Baseball Classic, yeah. which is also pretty awesome. Yeah. So, you know, again, all of this to me uh, is is very very enjoyable to watch. We have a lot more of it to go. Kyle has to head to the ballpark, so. <laughs> We better wrap this up. But for Kyle Glazer, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.